Morning, everybody. Oh, do text. Oh, do please text, you know, otherwise you get very lonely sitting in the studio on a Sunday morning. Loads of people outside. I've never seen so many people. It's horrible. It really is. So, Lauren Goodyear's made a sex tape. Wouldn't you just know it? Wouldn't you just know it? Honestly, it's always the unattractive ones, isn't it? Why can't the attractive ones make them? But they don't. Uh, the telly stars who have ploughed money into companies that invest in film flops. And there's some names in here that you'll all recognise. Uh, the man whose jaw was broken by a pizza company has now been offered, as compensation, a pizza. Not really the kind of thing you want. And we finally discovered, by the way, that Victoria Beckham does actually eat food. I know, it's a rare day to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. And have you heard of Zoella? Me neither. But she's got more followers than I have on Twitter. All of that and more this morning. Find that music. Ah, dear me. Anyway, so where were we? Where were we? Yesterday I bought a lovely new pair of shoes. I bought a new pair of shoes from Costco. Not very expensive, very comfy, very lightweight. I can't drive in them because they're too wide at the front. And the distance between my accelerator and my brake pedal means that I have to drive with one shoe on and one shoe off. Now, I don't know whether or not it's legal to drive with one shoe off, but uh, that's the way I'm having to do it, because when I went to the spot, I couldn't even, I couldn't even push the accelerator down because the shoe's too big. It's either that or I need to change the car. So uh, that was yesterday. Very hot. Today it's going to be hot again. It means that you're all going to swelter. A little bit of rain around, I think, later. That's nothing nothing too much to, to worry about, apart from Kent and East Sussex. A few heavy thundery showers. But th- I dreamt of thunder the other day. Have you ever dreamt of thunder? I dreamt, in fact, I had some very odd dreams yesterday. <sighs> cool. It, perhaps it was just thunder. You, this sort of, you know, when it goes dark and then you get this crackling all over the place, which sounds quite good. And uh, and then just one or two drops of rain as I was driving back yesterday, and that was about it. Then I got back home and we were boiling hot heat again. So I thought that's me. That's me done in. I'm staying in. Perhaps I might move to Kenton, East Sussex. Mainly dry, sunny spells. Heavy, uh, perhaps thundery showers later on. They say across the capital, but you know, looking at the weather at the moment, it looks okay. Tonight, dry, early evening sunshine. Few showers possible later. Some mist patches forming. And tomorrow, most places dry at first. Good, bright or sunny spells, but some showers, perhaps heavy and thundery, developing in places. 24 degrees centigrade today. 25 degrees. 25 degrees. It's not bad, is it, really? So, let's wander through the papers. This is the uh, the programme whereby, by the time we've finished doing the papers, you won't actually need to go out and buy a Sunday paper, because we'll have told you all of the main stories, we'll have told you everything that's going on in the world. You won't need to. We are, we are the all-informing programme. And so I was intrigued by the Sunday people, because the moment I saw Fake Shake, I thought, to Lisa, again... Because, you know, tomorrow, Monday, is when the documentary by Jonathan Levi is going to be going out on Talisa. They followed her for a year, and I think it goes out on BBC Three. It'll be interesting, because it'll be her side of the story, and going through a court case, of which they didn't know the outcome. They were going to run the thing, whatever the outcome was, anyway. And so I'd completely forgotten, uh, the dim recesses of my mind, that John Alford was another one who was done by the fake shake. And this involved... Uh, this involved another cocaine deal, I think. John Alford was a very big uh, star. He was sort of little boy, and he was in London's Burning, and I think he'd been in Grange Hill. I think, I think he'd been in Grange Hill. I, I couldn't possibly swear to that. Anyway, he's now got a lot older. Uh, he was jailed for nine months. Uh, he was lured by talk of working with Robert De Niro, tricked into a drug deal, and he got caught out. And, uh, and there he, he went off to prison. They spent nine months in prison. Again, it was a similar sort of sting operation to the one that they tried on to Lisa. If, if something looks very... Beli- you know, if, if somebody had said to you, uh, let, let's meet at the local wimpy bar and I'll convince you of doing a drug deal, you're not going to buy into it. If somebody flies you 
to somewhere. If somebody flies you out, in the case of Talisa, to Las Vegas first class, you're in a super-duper suite. It's all, you know, it's got all the trappings. It looks rich. It's a good sting. In fact, you know, to realise just how clever it was, you need to buy the film The Sting and watch it. In the case of John Alford, I think it was a London hotel. And uh, he, again... You know, the fake sheikh, Mazir Mahmoud, posed as, a, as somebody who was interested in getting hold of drugs. And they, they had a rough idea that he might know. And so these people fall into the trap. In the case of John Alford, he spent nine months in prison. I mean, you know, people didn't, uh, didn't want to know him after this. He said, I wasn't a drug dealer, I was an actor. But after the court case, that was it. I couldn't get work. People would pull out of projects if there were even a whisper that, uh, that I was involved. Uh, actors, project, nobody wanted to know him. Because there is that that stigma, isn't there, attached to somebody. They go, OK, so you, um, we know you as an actor, but, oh, dear, drugs. And the moment you do drugs, people want to back off. They want to steer away from it, lest you tar them with the brush that tarred you. He said, Mazir, uh, Mahmoud's outfit was so convincing. I bowed when I met him. He had a Rolls and a Rolls Royce, a Rolex. I was only a young actor. I thought I was in the presence of royalty. And so he arranged to... To get cocaine. I mean, to be honest with you, think the, if you thought about it logically, you'd think, wait a minute, why would he come to me? Somebody doesn't even know. But uh, his, uh, his weight dropped uh, seven stone uh, during the trial, told the jury he was technically guilty, but urged them to acquit him because he'd been set up. And, oh, sorry, that's my phone. I do beg your pardon. Frighten the life out of me. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I thought the pacemaker was playing up. I thought on a Sunday morning, really, we can't have things like that. Or failing that, if you're lying in bed, you thought, well, the alarm clock. You probably reached out to do it. It's like every time your phone rings on the train, it's not your phone, it's somebody else who's got the same ring. It's the same thing. You think, oh, dear. So anyway, um, so poor old John was out of a job before he went on trial. And uh, I, I think in court it was says that Mazir Mahmoud received a call from an anonymous showbiz pal of Olford claiming he was supplying drugs. So hidden cameras recorded John on trial under his real name, Shannon, leaving the Savoy Hotel and putting drugs on the table. He served time in Brixton and Penterville, then finding himself unable to secure active work, scraped a living as a roofer, scaffolder and minicab driver. I don't think you necessarily... I love it when people say you scrape a living. I saw an advert the other day. Somebody sent it to me on my Twitter page. And it's a well-known plumbing company advertising for plumbers. How much do you think plumbers make? And this particular company... (laughs) A lot goes to producer, a lot. Exactly, a lot. On, On this thing it says earnings about 90k. £90,000 for a... Small wonder! Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm doing a plumbing course. Most oversubscribed courses that there are. Plumbing courses. Ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Jonathan Levi says, if you should, perhaps you should interview... Um, you should interview uh, John Alford, because he seems to know about this kind of thing. He spent time in, in prison for it. And uh, he says uh, it's it's actually quite chilling, as it's what could have happened to Salisa. I could well have been visiting Talisa in Holloway Prison. None of us knew how it would all play out. And so this afternoon they're doing press for Talisa's programme, and then tomorrow morning he's doing Good Morning Britain. He said, what should I wear? Well, I think something casual. I think something casual. I think I think pair of jeans, because you're a young go-ahead filmmaker. I think pair of jeans, white T-shirt and jacket. Cashy jacket over the top, I think that's it, isn't it? Do you think... Not, not, not too much jewellery on, on display. You know, you don't want to show off a lot of jewellery. So, uh, yeah, I think that's fine. I think T-shirt, casual jacket over the top and chinos or something like that, or just, just jeans would be fine. You know, lots of makeup. Go for loads of makeup. I always get... When they say, would you like any makeup? <laughs> Do I ever. Trowel it on, please. So here is, uh, so here is uh, John Alford 
who sold his story for today. Um, it's it's a shame, really. It's a shame, really, because there were lots of other people who were sort of fitted up by the fake shake, and those were the stories that we used to read in the papers, and it could have ended that way for Talisa. It could have gone the same way. It didn't, as it turned out, because they couldn't get a lot of things right in, in court. Either way, you'll see the result of that tomorrow evening, BBC Three, at ten o'clock. George Michael has shut himself away from the world and become a recluse, say his friends. He's 51. He's not been seen outside his uh, Georgian mansion since May, when he was taken to hospital. Um, the only visitor is his childhood pal, David Austin, who was spotted there on Friday with a suitcase, suggesting an overnight stay. Uh, it's a shame, really, because they, they've now upped his, his money. They've now said he's worth £100 million. It was, only, it was only £60 million before. But then after he'd done his cannabis and he crashed the car and he was fined, I think, £1,200, and then he split with his boyfriend and then he collapsed with severe pneumonia and then he had a tracheotomy. I mean, it's, it's just been a catalogue of disasters for George Michael. And so now he's a recluse. I don't think there's anything the matter with being a recluse. If that's what suits him, why should he have to? You'd probably find he's been out loads of times. It's just that the press have never been there. And uh, perhaps they think there's only the one entrance in and out of his house, whereas I'm quite sure there are other ways that he can get in and out of the house. But uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he's done that bit now. He's, he's a 51-year-old man. You start settling down a little bit when you're 51. He's probably quite happy with the way things are. He's probably got a few friends that uh, that he sees on a regular basis or they go around for dinner and they, they chat or the, perhaps they go out. Who knows? You know, there could be all sorts of ways that George Michael can get out. He doesn't necessarily have to be a recluse. But uh, they say people are worried sick. He's seeing who he wants to see. He's seeing who he wants to see. And if that makes him happy, that's fine. That's fine. Judy Finnegan's not going back on screen. Did you know that? She's decided to stay away from the screen. Uh, she's, uh, she's left media. I think it was after the Richard and Judy show finished in 2009 because it ended up, it, it sort of went from being very big on ITV when they were in the, the docks and then they came down to London for reasons best known to themselves and it didn't start going very well even though I thought they were very good uh, and then that sort of finished. Then they went on to, I think, Channel 4 and the studio was about the size of a, of a, of a shoebox. I mean, it was very, very small and it didn't quite seem to work. They, they didn't quite get the guests on. They needed to play a big show. They needed to be hosting this morning. But then Judy, obviously, you know, decided she didn't want to do that anymore. And why not? You know, why should she have to do anything like that? They had, they had a good innings at the top. He makes a living. Presumably, if they've saved their money well, they, they can exist for a, a long, long time. Uh, he, he does occasional TV work. He'll sort of pop up all over the place, which is good. Which is good. If she wants to sit at home writing novels, then all power to her. 84850, Steve at How it says, long live Lovejoy. He looks exactly the same. Ian McShane looks exactly the same. He looks no... In fact, if anything, I began to wonder whether he brought in a looky-likey or something. He looks exactly the same. We consider how long ago Lovejoy was. He looks the sa same hairstyle, everything. Same hairstyle. Phenomenal, isn't it? Quarter past six is the time. Steve. Morning, everybody. 17 minutes past six. Sunday morning. It's going to be another... Don't want to be out in it. Terrible. Uh, Gabby Rolslin has revealed that she refuses to cave into pressure to have cosmetic surgery to hold back the years. Pressure from whom, Gabby? Pressure from whom? Who's been saying these things to you? She, she's wet her long-term boyfriend. He's a businessman. And uh, she says, I've had people saying, you say you don't want Botox, but check out your wrinkles. You bloody need it. And these are friends of yours, are they? Well, get rid of them immediately. Yeah, they're quite clearly idiots. Absolute idiots. Mind you, talk about looking inappropriate. Here's poor old Daniela Westbrook. What is she, 190 now? At least. Certainly looks like the ravages of time. Walking along, I think, the uh, the Turkish coastline. And she's with her little boyfriend. 
this is Tom Richards, who's, I don't know, five, six years old, who knows, 24 apparently. Luckily they had a photographer with them who took a picture, because otherwise nobody would know. She's walking along in a little bikini. She's 40 years old. I'm sorry, it just looks tacky. Very tacky and very sad. And uh, But as I say, the photographer got loads of pictures, but she's revealed she's planning another baby with Tom, saying he'll be a great father. He doesn't actually have any qualifications to do anything. He doesn't appear to be actually earning any money at all. But there again, never let, never let that stop people in the wonderful world of celebrity, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what I watched the other day. I watched this morning, and there was Rochelle Humes attempting to present in the English language. To be honest with you, I've never heard such bad use of English. I mean, if they really want to dumb down on ITV, they found absolutely the ideal person... These people can't string two words together. Where do they come from? It's all like, uh, you know, this, uh, this, and they, they, it was wrong phraseology. It was wrong everything. Grammatic use was wrong everything. It was just awful. And they go, oh, this is going to be the new golden cup. I didn't quite see it myself. I just, when I turn on the television, I'm not expecting somebody to sit there and say, good evening. You know, I don't necessarily want that. I just want to understand what they're talking about. Small wonder children nowadays can't speak and you get them to be interviewed. And, uh, and you get, what are they talking about? I don't know. It's a street kind of language, but it sounds a little bit sad when they get to be sort of, you know, over 25. Um, Katie Price appears to be mending her heartache by munching McDonald's. and uh, She's been caught on the A24 several times. Oh, sweet, isn't it? Actually, who was it wrote a great article about her? I think it was, it was Carol McGiffin who says, Katie, and you have to agree with this, Katie Price's almost comical tirades against the woman who slept with her husband continues. On Twitter, Katie, the embarrassment that she is, attacked both Jane Poutney and Chrissy Thomas, branding them witches, prostitutes, sluts, etc., and adding later on her radio show, that nobody's listening to, that she would never forgive them. Meanwhile, Kieran, arguably the most guilty party, and equally, if not more deserving of her ira, is simply a sex addict. Uh, so, in other words, it's not his fault, he's a sex addict. Some, somebody, to- an expert told her, some buffoon, told her, said, oh, that's it, he's a sex addict, because he had sex twice. That means, apparently, you're a sex addict. Well, I tell you, based on that assumption, most of my friends are sex addicts. I'm obviously in fantastic company. So, if you have sex with more than two people, you're a sex addict. Oh, dear me. Honestly, poor old buffoon Katie Price. Poor old Sado. She can't quite get anything right in her life, but uh, she hates these two women. But, of course, Kieran, she has to hang on to because she's got nobody else. And she'll be sitting in hospital by herself. Little Billy No Mates. Little Billy No Perhaps, perhaps we could be your friend, Katie. We could be your friend. We could help you out. I can lend you James. He's very nice. He could be your friend and tell you how gorgeous you look. He'd have his fingers crossed behind his back because he wouldn't really be believing any of that. But it's so funny, isn't it? She's forgiven Kieran because he's like a sex addict, but she hates the two women. Could they not be sex addicts as well, Katie? Oh, God, no, that would be pointing out the patently obvious to her. 84850, Steve, at uk. And um, we shall weave it all in. Apparently it's illegal to drive with footwear like flip-flops, crocs or mules that are not secured to your feet. But it is legal to drive in bare feet, says John the Cat. Well, that's great. There you go, you see. So I, I'm doing it. I've got socks on. Does that count? Socks OK? The shoes are really comfy, though. I've been looking around for a decent pair of comfy, lightweight shoes for ages. Because being diabetic, I suffer with my feet something cr- Nothing the matter with them. I just sort of, you know, your feet get very sore and very hot in this weather. Very, very hot. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Women going after Eamon gets my lioness hackles rising, says Ruth Langsford. <laughs> who's, who's going after Eamon Holmes? 
Is somebody really going after it? They can't be, seriously. Although, actually, at least you can understand what he's saying if you have to turn your hearing aid up a little bit louder because he's kind of whispering and he's a little bit like that. He's sort of mumbling into his, sort of, into his three chins. And it's all a little bit tedious at the moment. But anyway, at least you can understand what he's saying. Unlike poor old Rochelle. You can't understand a word she's saying. It's, it's almost like, you know, they've dragged out a 13-year-old from school and gone, would you like to present a programme, dear? And she's going, yeah, I'd do a programme for you. Uh, well, apparently, if you're in the north, you're fitter than we are in the south. There you go. There's something you knew all the time. Didn't surprise me in the slightest. I always thought we were terrible in the South. I always thought we were very unfit. I mean, I'm not exactly the, the fittest person. I mean, I sort of get in a car, get out of a car, get in a car, get out of a car, get on a bus, get out of a bus. Come in on a train, try not to come in on a train because there's no air conditioning. And it's really... Who wants to stand next to people who are sweating on the train? It's not comfy. It's not comfy for anybody. And in, in this weather, you can't get fans anywhere. I spoke to my friend Paul the other day and I said, he said, I can't sleep at night. I said, have you got a fan in the bedroom? Because the advice from the experts was, get a fan in the bedroom and have the, the breeze wafting over your face. And that makes you feel like you're on a tropical island, apparently, or something. I couldn't sleep without a fan in the bedroom. Absolutely no way. Not in any way, shape or form. And he said, you can't buy fans. I said, isn't it typical? The moment you get a bit of hot weather, everybody buys a fan. Best time to buy fans, winter. That's the best time to buy fans. No point buying them in the summer, everybody wants them. It's like, have you ever tried to buy sunglasses in the winter? I remember going to one shop. Sorry, love? Sun cream. Do you use a lot of sun cream, do you? All right. When you're sitting in the park, when you're sunbathing. All right. All right, on the heath. All right. You can get quite burnt, can't you, outside? You can get very burnt outside, and you really just cover up those little extremities. You know, you don't want to get sunburn on everything. I'm, I'm, I'm quite bad at, at putting cream on, because, frankly, I think it's a bit tedious. You know, you have to sit there and rub it. And when I went to Vegas, you remember years ago, I got burnt to pieces because I'd forgotten her in the middle of the desert. I mean, how dumb am I? Middle of the desert, boiling hot, jumped in the pool when it got too hot, came outside and sat there without realising every little water droplet acted as a magnifying glass. And I got burnt to pieces on my legs. So much so, they had to put me in a wheelchair to get me off the plane. It was that bad. So, uh, I'm, you know, if you are going up to the Heath today to find one of those cosy little corners, you know, take some sun cream with you and a hat... You know, if you don't have much hair on your head, take a hat. But we don't, we don't bother, do we? We don't bother. We all say, oh, no, we don't need things like that. But you should do. You know, if you're going out, always take a little bottle of water. I take a bottle of water everywhere. I've got one on the front seat of the car. I, I take it out with me. I'm going for a walk because water's good for you. And the more chilled it is, the better. Very nice indeed. So that's why a thousand Brits, uh, 63% of them up north say, you know, and they are fitter than we are down south. I suppose it's because if, if you've got a flat cap and a whippet, you've got to take it for a walk every day. So there would be, you know, we don't, we don't have flat caps down here. You know, we have servants. And, uh, like, and I suppose, you know, when you've got to walk to mill, you know, then you get your exercise every day. And you've got to walk upstairs, whereas uh, we, didn't, we don't bother. We have people who carry us. We're like that. We don't, don't do any walking down south. We are Jessies down here, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a northern person, do not worry about us. We, we, just, we just can't cope. We can't cope at all. Talking of not coping, after the revelations that Peaches Geldof took heroin and after the Katie Hopkins column on Friday, I think it would have been, was it Thursday or Friday, where she was saying that Peaches Geldof lectured her on this morning about bringing up children and saying that the way I do it is best. And so what she did, she then, you know, not rounded on her, but she pointed out the error of Peaches' ways, that in fact Peaches was a heroin addict. Hardly a great, you know, great thing to, to bring up children and to take heroin while your child is in the house. Not the best thing to do. Uh, then Fifi Trixabel jumped on Katie Hopkins and all the other internet trolls who've been slagging off Peaches. But as I pointed out on Friday, it doesn't matter who she is. 
It doesn't matter whether she's Peaches Geldof or she's somebody from a sink estate in Newcastle. It makes no difference at all. Either way, she was an addict for heroin. Either way, she took heroin. But now the sisters have jumped in and said that they're going to help bring up uh, her sons. I mean, I wouldn't, to be honest with you, I think the father's more than capable. He obviously has been more than capable of doing it up until now. Uh, Thomas Cohen. And they've said that they will be there. Pixie, Tiger Lily and Fifi Trixabel are trying to fill the void. Well, the children aren't really old enough to remember. I mean, one of the... Uh, Astala, I think, is two, and Phaedra is one. They're not going to know. They really don't know. At two years old, they do not know. Take my word for it, they just don't know. It's a case of, well, Mummy's not here at the moment, but don't worry, because we know all these other people, and they'll play, and they won't, they won't think about it. They won't think about it. It was, you know, you can't explain to children of that age, Mummy's not here anymore, because they just don't... They don't know. So I think that they will grow... Hopefully, they will grow up to be OK... You would like to think that they would grow up to be OK. I don't really know what Thomas Cohen does for a living, but I'm assuming that they must have, uh, they must have saved some money. She can't have spent it all on heroin, can she? Uh, they live in a million-pound house, and uh, you just hope that, uh, that things turn out OK. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And, and in the end, you know, we don't, we don't forget, we all remember Paula Yates. You don't remember what a tragic, pathetic case she was, because, again, she was another addict. You see them on the television, you see these addicts, they're, they're just not with it. The worst thing was for Peaches, she hid it. Well, her husband, Thomas, knew about it, because he'd already told her to flush the stuff down the toilet. But the trouble is, if you're an addict, what does that do? It's like, throw those sweets away. OK. Got another packet hidden here. If you, if you tell kids not to do something, they will want to do it. They will want to do it. And, uh, and so I remember I, I've got some cousins, and their mum used to say to them, you're not eating sweets. So what did they do when they went to school? They bought sweets. They bought sweets. They, they were addicted to sweets because somebody had said they couldn't have them. The reason I started smoking was because my mother said, oh, don't, don't smoke, really horrible, and all the rest of it, because I had a cigarette because my parents kept cigarettes indoors. Embassy. We weren't rich, but they were quite nice. And I remember having a cigarette, and I thought, I quite liked it. I did quite like it, and that was at 14. So, I mean, I, I smoked for a long, long time. Long, long time. But it's only because my parents said, don't smoke. If they'd actually sort of said, you know... Uh, you know, smoke, do whatever you want. I probably wouldn't have bothered with it, but I did. Of course, it never occurred to me that my parents counted the cigarettes in the box. It's not that we were mean or anything like that. It's just that, you know, But by the time you got through the first layer and you think, oh, what are they going to notice this? Because nobody in our house smoked. My dad smoked a pipe and my mum had one cigarette a year at Christmas. So, in other words, the cigarettes could have dried out in that time. So, occasionally they had friends round and they would have a cigarette, but very rarely, very, very rarely. It was just me behind the bike shed. It really was a case of behind the bike shed with a, with a cigarette. And I quite liked it. I didn't know how to inhale, though. So, in fact, to make the smoke come up my nose, I just swallowed it. So that, that made it look as though you, cause you thought, oh, I'm smoking, you know. Make, I, thought, I think that most people, when they're young, they think it makes them look big. Not tall or anything like that. It just makes you feel a bit bigger about things. And so that's exactly what... Well, it's, so I smoke, you know, and then you swallow it. Or sometimes you just sort of go... And blow it all out your mouth again. <laughs> I didn't realise at the time, but my mother must have smelt cigarette smoke because she didn't smoke. So she must have smelt cigarette smoke because I never thought about that. It's only when you get a bit older that you suddenly realise that you can smell cigarette smoke. And at the moment I gave up smoking, it's the moment I could smell cigarettes on everybody. Absolutely everybody. I can't smell it on James because I don't know how many... So he only sort of nips out for one during, at the end of the programme. So that doesn't really... You know, he's not sort of kind of on top of me. And so sometimes you can, you, you, but when my other producer used to come in, agent, another producer I had, I could smell cigarettes straight away. It's funny, isn't it? 
Now, I wish, I wish I'd never started smoking, but I'm not sanctimonious about it. You know, people want to smoke, then I say, smoke. Because, you know, you're, you're the only person that can, uh, that can sort of change things. You know, if, if, you want to, uh, if you want to smoke, then smoke. I can never ever turn around to somebody and say, don't ever smoke, because I did it. And it became very, very addictive. Uh, quick time check for you. It's coming up to uh, half past. <laughs> 27 minutes to uh, 7. Stig and Petri will be here at 8 o'clock this morning on LBC with Sunday Breakfast. Jonathan Levi says, not a suit for the programme tomorrow. See, I, don't, I think it depends what image you want to present. I think because she's a, a youth figure, I think that the producer of the programme should be a youth figure as well. I mean, I suppose you could wear a suit with, with a T-shirt. I mean, not, I don't think suit and tie. I think it makes it doesn't quite look right for a youth. This is a youth programme, isn't it? You're aiming at a, at a youth market. I'm assuming. I might have got this wrong. So um, I, I still think a pair of jeans, nice jacket and, uh, and a T-shirt underneath. You know, usual kind of look. Or a shirt or something. No, an open, open neck white shirt. I think that's OK. You could do that. That'd be good. Of course, by the time we get to tomorrow morning, it'll change completely, I should imagine. <laughs> 84850, Steve, at uk. Uh, women star Lisa Maxwell. You see, this is what they say in the papers now. She's not on Loose Women anymore. She was never a star of Loose Women. She was just one of the presenters. She wants, um, well, she installed a gazebo in her garden for her wedding without planning permission. I had no idea you had to have planning permission for a gazebo. This one obviously was quite big. Um, She lives at a home in Edge in Gloucestershire. The couple married last week. Outraged neighbours, Giles and Polly Collin. Polly Collin. (laughs) Just sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Polly Collin. I don't know. There you go. And uh, said the destruction of an established garden and agricultural land has continued without permission. It's an eyesore visible that... um, um, only two complained, says Lisa. A lot of neighbours were at the wedding. Yeah, but it's the two that can cause the trouble for you, darling. It's the two that can get you into a lot of trouble. Uh, spooky 999 callers. I love 999 callers because they are quite clearly barking mad. And a lot of them have reported aliens where the Prime Minister and the Queen have homes. This is Thames Valley Police. Apparently, uh, they got lots of 48 reports of extraterrestrials. Uh, between 2010 and 2013, one caller reported her Christmas tree had an alien in it. See, that's the trouble in the Thames Valley, they drink. You know, and I suppose if you lived in the Thames Valley, you'd have to drink, wouldn't you, to kind of get yourself through the day. I love that. Excuse me, my, my, my Christmas tree's got an alien in it. Has it? No, I'm just phoning up because I'm lonely. I need somebody to talk to. Uh, Martin Finn. Martin Finn is... Uh, now, who is this lad? Who is he? He's not turned up, has he, on... Britain's Got Talent, or something like that. Oh, I tell you, actually, talking of a piece of music, I heard a piece of music on the telly the other day, and I was so taken by it, I've had to order the whole album. And it's Nancy Sinatra. And I think it's, I forget what it's called, Storm or something, Stormflower or something, anyway, whatever it is. I ordered the whole album because I was just taken by this track. It's a very old track. must be from the 60s. And they use it in a television advert at the moment. And I, occasionally I listen to television advert music and I think, I want a copy of that. And so I did. I ordered it and it arrived today. So I'm very pleased about that. Sunday Mirror this morning. Running with the former Prime Minister's son, Tony Blair's son, Nicky. Former Prime Minister Tony Blair's son, Nicky, threatened to gag the Sunday Mirror over claims about his private life. Oh dear. They don't waste any time, do they? The 28-year-old instructed lawyers who threatened an injunction at London's High Court over a story we plan to publish today. We contacted the offices of his father on Friday regarding the claims, and uh, and that's it. Is it an extraordinary legal bid to stop us publishing a happy family story? 
Very odd, isn't it? Is this, this, this comes at the end of a week where somebody said, oh, Tony Blair, you champagne socialist, uh, he's made about 100 million. He went, no, I haven't. About 20 million. The rest of it he's pumped into, I think, 10 properties. He's got a property portfolio of 30 million. Old Labour values. I love those Labour values. They're just so marvellous, aren't they? And uh, then Shree, she brought out a book. That didn't sell. And uh, then there were various other stories. I think the press have actually been quite good to Tony Blair over the years. He certainly can't complain about it as he whizzes around the world, trousering as much money as he can. I don't know why they want to trouser as much money. He's getting to that age where surely you must be counting your years left on notches. You can't be sort of going, I'm going to live for another 40 years. So what do you keep the money for? Obviously, if, if Nicky's out there and he's earning money, it was going to be a happy family story, but they don't like things like that, do they? Obviously very, and especially as it's being done by the mirror. You'd have thought that uh, they would... Because I always think people who start issuing injunctions and everything else, quite clear that there's something, something somewhere. Um, here's a picture of... Who's this? Rebecca Adlington. Why am I bored with Rebecca Adlington? Why am I bored with her? She's revealed she's just as much a winner when it comes to glamour. And uh, so she was a presenter at the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. And they say her stunning new look. There is no stunning new look. What do you, why would you stop... What, would you stop it now, for goodness sake... You know, we're not interested, Rebecca, in what you look like. And if you think we are, well, then you need to go out and get a life. We're not interested. It doesn't come down to that. It shows that you've fallen into that little thing now of going, oh, I mean, to be honest with you, if you want the brutal truth, you know, it doesn't matter about what you wear, how slim you are or anything else, or whether your nose is the size of Concord. It doesn't matter. Just get on and do the job and stop droning on about the way you look all the time. I tell you, they've started using as well, and she's not much cop. The ex-Blue Peter presenter, Helen Skelton, who turns out everywhere. Now she's started doing commentary. But I tell you, nothing as bad as uh, Alex Jones. Uh, they're desperately trying to make her into some sort of presenter, and it's failing miserably. The one show is just dire. So they've, they've done a picture this time of where they've tried to make her look sultry and sexy. Well... I, s- I didn't know who she was to start with. I looked at this picture. What they've done is they've sort of sat her in some sort of leotard and they've got her hair wet and she sat there looking like a reject from Geordie Shaw. And I feel a bit sorry for her, really, because she's not much cop. And so they've given it... They, they say she's going to be the saviour of the television on a Saturday night. No, no. The saviour of Saturday night is Noel Edmonds. That's who it should be. And Anton Deck on the other side. Not, unfortunately, Alex Jones. So they've tried everything with... Do you know what she's going to be doing? She's going to be hosting this dreadful new show called Tumble. Have you heard about this? This is where they take well-known has-beens and, uh, and they sort of try to teach them to be tumblers. And so they, they, they've, they've got a few people in the frame. I've, I did have a list of who the, uh, who the names were. I had a little laugh to myself, you know, as you do. Wait a minute. Uh, because I, I didn't know who was in it. I think the only name that we had in the frame was um, Sarah Harding. Because basically, poor Sarah Harding can't get arrested. There's no work in the pipeline. So she better take a little reality show like this. So they've said, oh, this is going to be the, the thing, you know, that people are going to be watching. And uh, so they, they've, here, are, here are the people in it. Mr Motivator, Derek Evans, he's had to pull out because he's got a dislocated knee. And um, another one here, uh, uh, they've now, he's been replaced by Peter Duncan, who's 60. Peter Duncan is, I like Peter Duncan, actually. And then they've got Ian H Watkins. Oh, what a bore, what a dull art. Do you remember when he came out? Well, you could have knocked me sideways. Ian H Watkins is gay. Good Lord, honestly, I was so shocked by that. Um... Lucy Mecklenburg. God blimey. It shows it was that desperate. Uh, and um, Sarah Harding. So it's hosted by uh, Alex Jones with gymnast Nadia Komenech and Louis Smith on the judging panel. 
Other celebrities competing include ex-Sugar Babe, uh, Amel Barabba, somebody called Bobby Lockwood. Who in earth is Bobby Lockwood? I've never even heard of him. Sorry? No idea either. In fact, they put these people in, they go, Bobby Lockwood, like we're supposed to know who they are. Dynasty actress Emma Sams. The, the worst thing is that Alex Jones is 37. 37, getting on a bit in terms of B presenting. That uh, Ian H. Watkins, an irritant of the first order. I don't think they get more irritating than him. So those are these stars. I mean, it'll be hilarious to see Sarah Harding actually attempting to do anything. Standing upright, I'd be very impressed with. More in the papers on... Uh, oh, go away, Rebecca Adlington. Please go away. And uh, somebody who's saying that uh, Danielle's agony... This is uh, Danielle Lloyd, uh, who sort of is really Danielle O'Hara, but you remember who she is, don't you? She was the one who racially abused Shilpa Shetty in the Big Brother house, and then she tried to put it all behind her, but don't worry, darling, I never forget. Never forget. Anyway, it turns out that her football ace hubby has, uh, has bed another girl in a hotel. So I'm thinking, OK, footballer, not particularly brainy, not particularly intelligent, but uh, he likes blondes. And uh, this girl who sold the story says, I asked him about his beautiful wife and family, but he said, I love women, I can't help myself. It's hilarious. What do these people bother getting married for? There's no point, is there? Because that's all they do. They get married, and then they cheat or they don't cheat, and then somebody somewhere sells a story. On them, I can't quite understand the people who sell. St- Perhaps they are as desperate as the people that they sleep with. I'm assuming. I can't see any other reason why you would want to sleep with a footballer and then go to the papers and sell the story. I mean, it just—it's a bit tacky, isn't it? Really. I did ask the question the other week, and I hate to go back to Peaches Geldof, but I said she had bought heroin. She'd bought five hundred and fifty pounds worth of heroin, and it was quite pure. Normally heroin is cut down, as cocaine is, with lots of strange things. Rat poison, it can be anything. They can cut it down with washing powder, if they like, and people who are addicts don't know. In the case of heroin, you buy it, you burn it in a spoon, and then you suck it up into the hypodermic, then you inject it into your arms. It's called chasing the dragon. That's what these people do with it, or they smoke it, or anything else. And I said, so if Peaches Geldof had been doing heroin for, well, she'd been doing methadone for two and a half years... And then since February this year, she was back on the heroin because her husband said he made her flush one lot down the toilet. But then obviously she went out and bought more. I said, surely on her phone would be the number of her dealer. That would be the there would be the telephone number. It might be in a code or something like that. But the police could take the phone and find out who is her dealer, because ultimately uh, him or it could even be a her, but it's unlikely it'll be a him uh, is responsible for her death. He sold her heroin. That is, you know, and as one lady said the other day, I was talking to her and she has two children who were on drugs. And she said, if these drug dealers knew the misery that they caused, she said, but they don't care. They're only interested in the money. They're only interested. They are scum of the earth. They're just interested in the money. And so now there's a report in the paper today. The police are closing in on her drug dealer. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's a brilliant idea. We know we know a copper, don't we, on this programme? who goes out, and he's part of a, of a team, where they go out and raid crack dens. They go out and raid houses, and they sort of bring these people in. And it's a bigger problem than you ever imagined. It's an absolutely huge problem. Huge, huge problem. So now, they've got a handful of suspects, who they believe could have sold her the lethal batch, and they've narrowed down the search for a possible pickup spot to several key areas visited by Peaches in the day before she died. So that'll be good, won't it? I quite like, it's been a long time since we've actually had a drug dealer in, in the courts. That'd be nice. I'd quite like to see that happening very soon indeed. No doubt you'll hear about it first on LBC. And here she is, poor old, uh, poor old Lauren Goodyear. 
I mean, Lord above, she's on the front page of uh, The Sun on Sunday this morning. I'll tell you the, uh, the tacky story, because Lauren's offered her own advice. The advice is just don't ever go on a reality show when you've got no talent. And the one thing I can only advise, Lauren, is don't be stupid as to ever make a sex tape. How ridiculous are you? Seeing as we only had one the other week on the programme with some girl who does um, a series of photos with her then-boyfriend. They then finish, acrimoniously, and uh, he puts them up on the internet. She's horrified. She's horrified. And, and I said, well, more fool you. More fool you. Be like, you know, me saying to people around here, OK, let's have a, let's have a new shoot, shall we? We'll take our clothes off and uh, take pictures. Then years later, they all pop up on the internet, you know, because somebody needs a bit of money. So she contacts the company that's put them up on the internet and they say, well, um, they're, they're his and it'll cost you 300 quid to take them down. So she pays £300 because she's so horrified that there are pictures of her on the internet with comments from men of what they would like to do to her because that's the kind of tacky area. And so silly old Lauren Goodyear, as stupid as they come, this is the one who apparently was leaving the country. Pity you didn't. Pity you didn't. Anyway, front page of the sun, lurid details in a moment. Morning, everybody. Still to come, who is Zoella? Who is Zoella? I mean, to be honest with you, I'd never heard of Zoella, but she's got a lot of Twitter followers, eight million of them. And we finally got a picture. I knew that you'd wait for it, and you're prepared to wait, of Victoria Beckham actually eating, admittedly with a teaspoon, it has to be said, but at least she's eating food. I'm hoping so. And, uh, yes, meatballs again yesterday. I'm beginning to hate meatballs. I seem to buy meatballs now and just sort of do, you know, four meatballs every day with some... Somebody said, what do you have meatballs with? I said, well, you can have them with anything. Some people have them with pasta. Some people have them with rice. I have them with bean sprouts. It's not normal, is it? So I cook the... uh, the things off. Then I put in some some bolognese sauce just to lightly cover them, and then I add in the frying pan uh, bean sprouts and sliced carrots and onions and things like that. Then I put the lid on and steam it. And it's quite delicious. Quite delicious. I mean, I, I'm looking on myself now as a bit of a cordon bleu. Perhaps I should do a, one of these cookery books, the Steve Allen Guide to Eating Really Badly. You know, I'm not I'm not the best. Co- At one time, I could do anything with mince. I used to do variations of mince, so I'd do mince with tin of beans, that was very popular, and then I'd do mince with uh, sweet corn, which became Chinese, and I put in a little bit of five spices, and then I would do mince with bolognese sauce, then it became Italian. So all these different variations, and I became very good at sort of going out and buying mince and just sort of, just cooking it and eating. And then I discovered the delights of supermarkets. You don't actually need to be able to cook anything at all. You just need to have the ability to be able to heat something up. So today I will probably have something out. I feel like doing a museum today. I feel like being in a, in a museum kind of a day because I was watching a programme about the Valley of the Kings and they were looking at Tutankhamun. And his is undoubtedly the most famous, even though he was possibly one of the weakest rulers of Egypt. He was only very young when he died. His body is still in his tomb. Admittedly, the poor soul's lying on a bed covered up with a blanket, but you can see his head and his feet. And that's the end of his life. You'd think there must be family out there somewhere complaining bitterly about it. But uh, that's it in his tomb, and all the rest of it is in the, the museum in Cairo, where they've got his, uh, his mask and everything else. They've had to do repairs over the years because it's very old. But they got the best stuff out of his tomb because his was the one that hadn't been robbed. Whereas every time somebody was buried before... And uh, Tutankhamun's tomb is very small. You remember they were working really under, under terrible conditions in there and it was on the last day that they were supposed to be coming back because they hadn't uncovered anything of any note. They'd found little bits and pieces. And it was then that they discovered, I think Carter on the last day, they were digging in the Valley of the Kings and they found a set of steps. 
Now, you can imagine the excitement, can't you? So they find the steps and they start clearing away. And then at the very end of the steps, way down, there's a door. And they think, ooh, ooh. So they go through the door and then there's another door on the right-hand side. And it appears not to have been tampered with. It appears not to have been broken. And they knew that the Egyptians were buried with all of their... Uh, things that they would need in the afterlife, like their chariots, like their, in some cases even servants were bricked up. But in this particular case, they cut a small hole through and they looked through, and that was when that immortal light, can you see anything? Great things, great things. And that's when they opened it up and discovered, I mean, a lot of it had fallen apart, but they were able to bring out tons and tons of stuff. And then they got to the tomb of Tutankhamun, which was tiny. And so they had to sort of lift the top off, and then there was a sarcophagus in there, and then they had to lift that one off, and then there was one mask, and it was only when they lifted that mask off that then the, uh, the mask that has become famous for Tutankhamun uh, became obvious, and that was when they went, we think we've got something fantastic here. Anyway, going, going from something that was very exciting to something that's not too exciting, poor old Lauren Goodyear. Lauren Goodyear, a bit of, bit of a tragic person, in fact, a bit of a tragedy, I think. But uh, here she is. She was a Dancing on Ice contestant, and she's blasted the betrayal. It's a leaked sex tape. And so she's droned on for two dull pages in the sun today about uh, her. She says, I was ill. I was in love. So I trusted Jake 100 percent. I'm very angry. This spread like wildfire. I'd warn girls, don't let it happen to you. Luckily, Lauren, most people are more intelligent than you. You're the stupid one. You're the really stupid one. And so uh, her ex and this sex tape is being spread all over. It's... Um, taken by her property developer X on his own phone and shows her performing an act on him. I don't need to go into the lurid details, but uh, more fool you, Lauren. More fool you. What a silly little person you must be. What a stupid person. She said, I don't want to think of my family finding out. So, so she's done a two-page story in The Sun. Can they not read? Do they not know how tacky you are? It was the other day I was watching The Only Way's Essex. It seemed to be breeding a real low bunch of people in there at the moment. I mean, some of the... I was watching some people have an argument outside a shop. And uh, what I'm saying, you slept with this person, I didn't... And I'm beginning to think, oh, they're really low rent. And then you've got Lydia Dim, whose sister apparently is going into it. Yes, there are two of them. Even more worrying, isn't it? Perhaps I wonder if Arge will be trying it on with her. And she doesn't realise that Arge, of course, is just coming up with any old rubbish that he can come up with just to get her to climb into bed with him, which, of course, she seems to do quite happily. Very tacky. Very tacky. Uh, they've all done these uh, sex tapes. They've all had them. Unfortunately, I mean, Lauren Goodyear is a very stupid person. She should have realised, you know, if you're, uh, if you're with somebody and they start filming, then you take it away from them and you throw it out the window. We've seen Paris and uh, Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian... And uh, then there was Pamela Anderson, Abby Titmus, and John Leslie. There's loads of them. There's loads of third-rate celebrities. And the biggest third-rate celebrity is Lauren Goodyear. You know, more fool you. More fool you, dear. I mean, if you're that stupid, then go bleating to the paper. I trusted him 100%. We've more stupid than you look. Terrible, honestly. It really drives me mad, these people. And then they go to the papers, as opposed to just, you know, ignoring it. They go to the papers and sell their story. I'm assuming they sold the story. Um, the trainer... On attack by Corrie Starr's ex. This is Kim Marsh. I have to be honest, I'm not a fan of Kim Marsh. And yet I said before, we got a great interview for In Conversation. Her book came out. She was very good. She was very lucid. I just think she's, um, 
well, not one of my favourite people. You're allowed to have favourites and not have favourites. You know, some people you like and some people you don't like. And it's a free world and everybody is like that. Nobody's any different. Nobody's any different. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. I've got the story about the telly stars as well. This is the story of uh, people, Tess Daly, Vernon Kay, Ben Shepherd, Will Young... Rafe Fines, Richard Hammond and his wife Amanda, who've put money into companies that invested in film flops. Uh, companies backed by the stars have now posted £14 million in losses. Why on earth would you want to put money into films that flop? I don't quite understand that. Uh, one film, made in 2011, Hunky Dory, in which Minnie Driver plays a teacher staging a rock opera version of Shakespeare's The Tempest, made 11960 at the box office, but cost... £3.2 million to make, a return of less than 0.5%. Ben Shepherd is a member of Berlin Claret, a loss-making limited liability company. In its first year, it helped produce a documentary about Thriller 4321, a 2010 flick in which Shepherd had a minor part as a newsreader. Starred Julia Roberts' niece, Emma Roberts, but one critic branded it a chaotic mess. Hayden, sorry, Berlin Claret posted £1.23 million in losses in its first year from an investment of £1.27 million. I don't quite understand why you'd want to invest in something. I mean, I perhaps I'm not understanding how, how things work nowadays. Uh, top Gear's Richard Hammond and his wife Amanda invested in a company called iPatch. They've all got strange names, haven't they? And uh, Shepherd's spokesman said, there's nothing untoward whatever in Ben Shepherd's investment. Well, there is. Why would you invest in something that's not going to produce anything? Unless you can offset it. As I say, I don't understand how tax works. Probably, a, you know, a tax ad, uh, advisor better tell me, you know, exactly how it works. Spokesman for Daily Kay and Richard Hammond declined to comment at their movie funding. A spokesman for Fines and Young didn't return calls. I mean, is it, is it another one of these, they don't know what's going on with their money? We had that before, didn't we, when they were looking at all these offshore accounts and saying, you know, their money's invested. And then somebody said, oh, we, in fact, we had, um, I forget, we've had a number of people say, oh, I should investigate this. Very carefully. Ronan Keating. You know, I'm going to be checking this very carefully. Gary Barlow. You know, Gary doesn't understand about money. Of course he understands about money. The man's not an idiot. That's why it's a load of old codswallop. And so when you look at these people who've invested in film flops, I don't quite understand where it is. Unless you can offset the money you put in there. As, but I, even then I don't quite understand it. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a strange one. The, uh, the Sun have called it Tax Bill Stars Turkey Shoots. They invest in dud films. Perhaps you could do that with Ben Shepherd on Monday morning. Perhaps you could ask him why you'd be investing. You see, I always think very bad when the people who front programmes are the ones who are in the newspapers. I always think that something's gone horribly wrong there. Oh, mummy. Talking of going horribly wrong, here he is. Poor old Justin Bieber. Looks more like an idiot every day. More like an idiot every day. He's only 20. 20 years old, and he's just... Perhaps he's not all there in the upstairs department. I don't know, he seems to be missing on, on one or two things. I do like Ed Sheeran. I do like him. I think, he's, I think he seems very natural. Very natural indeed. I don't know enough about him, and I haven't really sort of invested in his music, which is, uh, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, who's this here? This is uh, Liam Gallagher. Uh, didn't have a peep after he was caught cheating on Nicole Appleton, one of the barking-mad Appleton sisters. Which were the ones... Which was the one who went out to the jungle and a tree brushed against her? Oh, oh, oh! She went a tree... She was on the back of a horse. Funniest thing ever. I don't think she'd ever seen light of day. But anyway, he's got a new girlfriend, Debbie Gwyther, and they left his North London home last week. Leanne made sure Debbie looked OK by helping her sort her hair. 
That's sweet, isn't it? That's quite nice, actually. Liam Gallagher, living in North London. I always think to yourself, would you not want to go back to your roots? Would you not want to go back to your roots? Um, how not to write a uh, press release. A sports nutrition range says uh, Mark Wright is without a doubt inspirational after joining their thing to inspire people to fuel the superhero inside. Somebody's done hashtag what pretentious rubbish. <laughs> I love stuff like that. It always makes me smile, actually. Here's Benefit Street, White D. TV show will ruin your life. She's meeting Immigration Street. Oh, go away. Go lose some weight, dear. Perhaps they'll put her on one of those special diets. Perhaps she'll go and live somewhere else. Victoria Beckham eating. I know she uh, she ducked into a, a cafe in Brentwood, Los Angeles, just in case we're heading down to Brentwood. No, uh, Vic doesn't do that. And she's going out again. She's. Go- I don't know how she's managing to pay for anything. A, she looks as miserable as sin. Secondly, she's got no handbag. Well, if you're going, I mean, where do you keep your money? You know, she's not, perhaps she's got a pair of support hose on or something and she keeps the money. Where do you keep your money? It's not in here. Anyway, she did have a little bit of a treat. She went into a fashion cafe. They, they didn't say what it was. I'm guessing air. I'm guessing it. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, it doesn't even look like yoghurt. But she has actually got her mouth open and there is a spoon going into it. Perhaps she's eaten the spoon. Perhaps she's eating spoons now. I don't know. I don't know. And there's, um, is this, oh, I must tell you the story after news about Zoella. Because I've never heard of her. She looks a bit irritating, so I'll probably enjoy mentioning her on the programme, which is uh, which is good news. And uh, Britain's flocking to the seaside yesterday. 27 degrees. Imagine being stuck on a beach with a load of other chavs. Oh, horrible, horrible, horrible. Lots of people sporting tattoos and things like that. Not pleasant, is it, on the beach? And people with them going up their necks and... Oh, ghastly, ghastly, ghastly. Why do some people have no idea what not to wear? Sunday morning on LBC at Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. Petri and Stig will be here at 8. Plenty more to come. The dancer hitting out of the Strictly Sacket. They're not happy. They're not happy at all. They've said, oh, it's going to be a total disaster. You know, it's always the way, isn't it? When somebody gets fired from a programme like that, they uh, they become quite bitter and twisted. Uh, the telly stars, I've just told you, ploughing money into companies that invest in film flops. Zoella. Eight million followers on Twitter. But who is she? People travelling on British Airways, Monarch, Thomas Cook and Thompson flights were told their items would be sent on because this is travel disruption. Passengers of uh, four airlines at Gatwick have been advised to go home without their luggage after baggage delays of up to five hours this morning. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. See. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen with you until eight o'clock this morning. And it's uh, day 11 of the heat wave. It just I mean it's great for some people. If you love it, it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, who is this moaning person on the radio who doesn't like the heat? I don't function in it. And there's quite a number of us. We're not we're not alone. I'm very envious of those who can sit in the heat, but if you're going out today, it's a case of take the sunscreen, put a hat on the kids, make sure you've got water in the car if you're going on any journeys. And if you're setting off, my advice, go now. Go now. And especially if you're one of those people who's been advised to go home from Gatwick after baggage delays. Five hours. Oh, you must be absolutely ripping what little hair you've got left out. This is LBC. Who's Zoella? I've never heard of her either. I thought I'd heard of most people on the internet, but uh, she's a, a global star. She's got eight million fans, and yet anybody over 30 has probably never heard of Zoella Sugg. Oh, well, that's us then, I'm afraid. Even James, who's not over 30, has never heard of Zoella. At all, and probably wouldn't be remotely interested. Uh, she's Zoe. She's been described as her generation's most influential role model, bigger than Pop's Rihanna or One Direction. One of a rising number of successful vloggers, 
internet video bloggers. Her quirky advice on fashion, makeup, and relationships started when she was bored. Uh, some vloggers are said to earn £20,000 a month through advertising alone. Because people want to be associated with a site that, that gets 8 million hits. Uh, her dad, Graham, is a property developer. Her mum, Tracy, a beautician. She grew up in Wiltshire in a place called Laycock. She says the most exciting event is the annual Scarecrow Festival. So there you go, which is quite nice. And she now lives in a £2,500 a month seafront penthouse seafront penthouse in Brighton. Ooh, how lovely. So that's it. So I've never actually... No, she's got a book out as well, a novel, which is coming out, uh, called Girl Online. She says, I'm lucky, which something which started as a hobby gives me these opportunities. Isn't it funny? They often say, don't they, that there is... Is there still an opportunity now to become a millionaire? You know, by, by, by setting stuff up. And the answer is absolutely, absolutely there is. There really is. Uh, Noreen, good morning. Welcome to Sunday morning. And says, um, hope you had a good Sunday. We had torrential rain on Friday. Everybody had rain except me. So bad, the roof to the local shopping centre collapsed. She said, I don't know if it's me, but I think this weather's making me very, very tired. Well, that's what James said to me the other day. He said, I don't know what it is. He said, I'm just tired. I said, it's the weather gets you down. This, this weather makes you feel very sluggish. You can't be bothered to do anything. You just, oh, just want to sit down somewhere, don't you? So that's why. That's why it is, Noreen. It's absolutely nothing to do with, with anything else apart from the fact that it's the, uh, the hot weather. Uh, the fake shake must have been very clever, uh, says Peter. In relation to John Olford and Chalisa, I think the behaviour of the News of the World and the Sun on Sunday is despicable. Well, the, um, the Sun on Sunday, oh, what was that one? Was that oh the same sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I don't know that the fake shake has been running around for years, and there are loads of other people who are very good. He seemed to be particularly successful at trying to catch people, but then of course, with all the stuff from the news of the world, it all got a bit overshadowed, didn't it? And so then people started saying, you know, is, can he be suspended? And yet, surely somebody must have paid money to do these things. You can't just—he wouldn't have funded himself. Unless he, was, unless he was working under a different sort of system. But I'd imagine you would go to somebody and you'd say, right, we, we, we think we're going to set up Talisa or whoever it happens to be, and uh, we want money for first-class flights and we want hotel bookings in, uh, in Vegas in a, a big super swanky penthouse just to convince. So there you go. Uh, details of that business woman says, Andrew, no, you should listen as we're going through. I'm not here to repeat stuff afterwards. You'll have to download the, uh, the interview. And that's with Michelle Moan about the business plan. There's no way coming in after... In fact, well, I'll tell you what, listen to it again this evening. It runs out at nine o'clock again this evening. OK. Uh, Philip says, I'm confused. When the fake shake did a sting, it usually appeared in the papers. How come the next celebrity gets caught by the same routine? Um, because it was so well done. It was so well done. It's because if, if it had just been him sort of pretending to be something, but in this case, he wasn't pretending to be. He wasn't. He wasn't looking for drugs. Well, he was, but he. But the guise was that he was a film producer and he was looking to make her big, and so because of all the stuff surrounding it, it looked big. You'll see it on on the documentary, which runs out tomorrow night on BBC Three. You'll see it on there, and you'll suddenly suddenly realise how easy it must be to get caught up in something like that. You don't, as John Alford says. He had the thing. He was wearing Rolexes. He arrived in a Rolls Royce. You know, he gave all the impressions that he was somebody big and powerful. If he turned up on the number 37 bus, you wouldn't be buying into it, would you? But because he actually uh, pitches up in a flash car and, and people... As John Alford said, he said, I bowed to him. He said, because I thought I was in the presence of royalty. Pat in said, don't, don't, don't walk dogs in the heat of the day. Only early morning or late evening. Because dogs get very tired. They get heat stroke. 
Remember, their pores absorb the heat from the pavement, so I leave large bowls of fresh water outside the gate every day. Over in Regent's Park, they've got uh, taps there in a bowl. And uh, if the bowl has gone missing, which it does on various occasions, just put your hand underneath and cup it and get the water and the dogs will, will drink it. We always take water. Always. Uh, la 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 da tum tum eight four eight five oh Steve at LBC dot co dot UK one on uh wait a minute sometimes uh, I don't like Kim Marsh either. She's very, very sexy, says Stephen Aylesbury. So I don't like her, but she's very, very sexy. That's why, you see, isn't it? That's why. Uh, 84850, Steve, at uk. You'll have to wait till uh, Michelle Moan's uh, interview is rebroadcast this evening unless you uh, download podcasts on LBC. OK? 84850, Steve, at uk. Uh, Guinevere, back in the wilds of Norfolk, nearest, nearest civilization, Hunstanton, until midweek. I love the sound of Hunstanton. I've never been there, but it sounds absolutely glorious. My grandmother scattered in Norfolk. We went all the way up there for her funeral years and years ago. And I couldn't tell you where it was. Just outside Norwich, I think. But I couldn't tell you the name of the place. And uh, it, it looked quite nice, actually. You know, as far as, as far as things like that look nice. Uh, wait a minute. Let me see if I... Oh, wait a minute. I don't know where I am now. Am I on the... Oh, wait a minute. I don't know. I think I've got... Uh... James's things. Can we get the uh, the text and the emails back? No, not the emails. Can we get the the um, the text back again? Because I seem to have uh, I seem to have lost. Oh, that's it. Better. Thank you. I don't know where these things. God, there's so many things on computers now. There's me trying to be uh, all clever on it. I've got no idea what I'm doing at all. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh, Spencer and Hove. Yes, we know. We know. Doesn't matter though. I'm baking cakes, says Sarah in Bushy, with my thirteen year old daughter. She says she nearly died when you mentioned Zoella. Oh, right. Oh, she's, she's obviously well-known to everybody. She's got eight million fans. And she's got a book coming out. And she's very... She said, I never set out to be successful. It was just the way that it, it happened. Ian says, do you think there should be a remake of the classic sitcom Robin's Nest? No. <laughs> and uh, if it rains, we moan. If it's cloudy, we moan. If it snows, we moan. Now we have a little sun and guess what? We moan. The only time we... we um, we sort of moan about night, uh, is, when, when we don't moan, is when we're in bed. We're asleep. Uh, I agree with you about Peach's drug dealer, but as Ian McShane mentioned, The Wire, it showed the misery it caused, but the money it made in the corruption of the politicians shows what a bad state of affairs uh, it is. Yes, I mean, but it, as far as I'm concerned, that should always be the first port of call. First port of call for if you're looking for something like... Pe- I mean, I couldn't care less whether Peaches Geldof wanted to sort of, you know, stick as much heroin into her body. I mean, I'm not interested by that. I'm more interested in the person she gets it from. If there isn't a supply, then there isn't the end result. And the end result is she's dead. And that's why it's, that's why it's so bad. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. I was scanning my radio dial some years ago and came across... Some bloke bemoaning the fact he'd broken his tooth on some peanut brittle. I've been an avid listener ever since. Well, of course you have. You're in East Sussex. You're starved of decent radio. Starved of any conversation, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mick says, there are no laws stating what you can or can't wear on your feet whilst driving. However, if you have an accident and your foot situation is deemed as a contributor, you could have issues with insurance. Hmm. Lynn says, like you, I too have a fan whirring away, even in the winter. My husband always says he wishes he could harness the heat I give off. Yes, I get terribly hot. I mean, really hot. I sort of change it. I like changing the duvet on the bed. It means you climb into sort of clean, crisp sheets. and I, Not sheets, but duvet. And I, I love things like that. But no, the fans aren't all year round. Absolutely. Uh, another one here. 
Uh, drinking warm water is supposed to be better for you in the hot weather, says Mark in Crawley. And well, I mean, there's all these things that are supposed to be, but to be honest with you, come on, hands up. How many of you go, oh, look, hot weather, cup of tea? You don't, do you? go, hot weather, cold water. Which, of course, it doesn't work at all, because what you do is you lower the body temperature. It's like fanning yourself. You fan yourself, fan yourself, and you think, lovely. And then you stop fanning yourself, and the heat comes back again. You sit in a car, and it's hot, 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 hot. And then all of a sudden you go, open the windows. Open the windows, in comes more hot air. I live in air conditioning. I've become so American in the fact that at one time, years ago, I would never, ever have had air conditioning on. You know, you'd go, oh, that's just silly, a fan. Or you opened the window. None of our parents had air conditioning. I don't know where air conditioning came from. We had a fridge, but they never seemed to work in the summer properly. And then all of a sudden now we've got air conditioning mad. Everybody's got portable air conditioning. You've got air conditioning in most cars now. I would think a good 90% of cars have got air conditioning. Jacqueline says, I've just read an article about people who've gone to sleep at night with a fan blowing directly. They end up getting Bell's palsy. No, it's an internet load of quackery, I'm afraid. It's absolute quackery. You should never believe that stuff, Jacqueline. Never believe that sort of stuff. Uh, somebody else saying, uh, drink cold water or get a bowl, fill it with ice cubes and put it in front of your fan. Poor man's aircon. <laughs> John the cabbie from South London. And um, somebody says, don't you dare let Katie Price anywhere near James. He seems like a very nice person and has done nothing to deserve such evil treatment. Well, that's the best he's going to get, I'm afraid. Uh, Michelle says, listening to your dulcet tones this morning, comfy shoes, surely you can get them in your beloved M&S. No, no, and I discovered the other day that um, Marks and Spencers cater more for women than they do for men. The women's shoe department is huge. I was looking at it the other day. And the men's shoe department is tiddly-tiddly. So not very happy about that. I'm semi-retired, says this one here. And um, and I stall out at uh, military fairs or go fishing. I've made the decision to buy a DAB radio now that LBC is national. And I bought the box set of Lovejoy. Yeah. Well, you won't be disappointed in that one. I could watch that forever and a day. New Costco opening in Hayes. Do you know about it, says Kevin? Of course. What's, hello. Hello. Don't be silly. And, uh, and then Dorman Dom says, you've admitted to being 60. Oh, that was only just, that was just for fun. You don't believe that, do you? Good heavens above. No, we don't believe things like that. It's all made up. Uh, quick time check for you, just in case you're, you're worrying about things like this this morning. It's quarter past seven. <laughs> Morning, everybody. It's uh, 7.20. Nick Ferrari's back with you tomorrow with breakfast today at 8. It's uh, Petri and Stig who will be here. Petri and Stig will be here from 8 o'clock this morning on LBC. No doubt they've got uh, loads of topics, mainly probably some of the things that we've been covering in the, uh, in the papers. Uh, Sue says, good tip for night heat, fill a hot water bottle with ice cold water and hug it. Oh, I couldn't hug a cold water bottle. I really couldn't. I do get hot in bed, though. I mean, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think some people do. My feet get really hot. And the rest of me gets quite hot. But though somebody said to me, you're not supposed to sleep in just your pants. You're supposed to sleep in pyjamas. Well, I haven't worn pyjamas since I was 15. I, mean, I don't even know if they make them at my age. I mean, I, I suppose it's like a onesie, isn't it, really? I'm not really sure. I mean, pyjamas. Anybody wear pyjamas anymore? Do you wear pyjamas, Nick? No? no. Oh, in winter? Oh. In win- See, in winter, I just put the heating on. I kind of think the heating's on. Why, why would you sort of compensate for going, uh, I'm not going to put the heating on? I think, I think w- one of the advantages of, of being this age is you can put the heating on and enjoy every minute. So you can lie sprawled naked, well, not naked, but, you know, fairly naked on the top of the bed. But I don't, I wonder if I want, perhaps I should go out and buy a pair of pyjamas. Perhaps I should buy pyjamas today and sort of keep them for the winter. But I don't know, stripe, do they do like plain pyjamas or do they do stripy pyjamas? Do they still have a cord? Do they still have a fly and stuff like that? Oh, right. <laughs> and, you, and you keep them folded up 
under the pillow, or do you keep them on top of the pillow, or do you have one of those stuffed toys with a zip on his belly and you put them in there, like you used to do when you were little? Neatly at the foot of the bed. Do you have a pair of slippers there as well? You have a pair of slippers as well. And address it, this is slightly worrying. Slightly worrying. You have a dressing gown too. See, I also have a dressing gown, but then I thought to myself, where would you wear it? You know, you can't go out to a harvester and wear a dressing gown nowadays. You can't wear it. It just sort of kind of hangs on the back of the bathroom door. And years ago, if you're in a house with... Are you in a house with loads of people then? Oh, just two other people. OK. And uh, so people sit around in their dressing gowns, do they? Sounds a little bit bohemian, this, for me. I'm not too, not too sure about this. Do you smoke funny cigarettes and things like that and sort of watch the wallpaper melting before your eyes? All sounds very dodgy, doesn't it? People are sitting around in dressing gowns. I do have a dressing gown. In fact, there's a lovely place at Covent Garden. One of the uh, one of the stallholders there, he sells these dressing gowns because I bought one for my ex-producer Giles. £175 for a dressing But it's really, it's made up of all scraps of material. It's really, but like a toweling. Really nice. Really, really nice. And, uh, and then the other day, I got a bit carried away. I bought myself another vacuum cleaner. Now, if there's one thing I don't need, it's another vacuum cleaner. But I keep seeing them advertised. I think, I'll go and get one. And so I bought a G-Tech now, G-Tech is, is a lightweight, upright, which is rechargeable, goes for about 40 minutes. Now, you may think that's a lovely idea, and it was £200, so it's cheaper than a Dyson. I do also have a Dyson. I do also have a Henry. I do also have two rechargeable vacuum cleaners as well. It's kind of become a little bit of a... It's like a pyjama fetish, only you can't wear a vacuum cleaner. So now I've got three biggies and two littlies, and I've got another one in the car as well. It's an obsession. It's an obsession with vacuum... I wouldn't mind. I'm not exactly living in a 15-room mansion. Not that I think 15 rooms would be a mansion. But whatever it is, I do not need this many vacuum cleaners. But I see them, and I think, oh, that's not... I'll buy that. So I bought the G-Tech, and I think it was £211. And it's still in the box. I haven't even taken it out of the box because I'm looking at the Henry and the Henry is looking at me thinking, why have you bought another vacuum cleaner into this property? So today it might be pyjamas or pillows. I get a thing about pillows. I can't work out what are the best pillows, whether or not it's, uh, it's uh, a hard pillow, whether it's a memory pillow. Why do you want a memory pillow? I've got no idea. It's only your head going into it. Uh, or whether you want um, foam in there or whether you want duck down or whether it's Siberian goose. There's so many different types of pillows. And I don't know if I want a hard one or a soft one. Because I can't quite work out. I do sleep, I do move a lot in my sleep. I spend a lot of time turning one side and then turning the other side. Only because I'm trying to find a cool bit of the bed. So perhaps I need to, I need to go and experiment, I think, with, with pillows. I've got one of those memory foam mattresses, which I quite like. That, that's OK. But again, you know, it's just like sleeping on another mattress. It's no different. It's just that it apparently moulds to your body shape. Well, that can be very interesting. Uh, they've done a whole uh, feature on fans in the paper today. Not that you can buy them anywhere. But the best one that they, they reckon, one of the best ones, is the Dyson Tower Fan. £300. I mean, it just seems an awful lot of money. £300. When you can get a Connect 10-inch for twenty nine ninety nine for Robert Dias. Uh, they've got a Dyson... I've got one of these. This is a desk fan, 220. It's a smaller rounder. I, th- I think mine's a bit bigger than 12 inches. It's a bit difficult to know where they measure these fans from, whether you just measure across the thing or whether... I don't know, anyway. But the the tower fan is quite nice. It rotates, and they say if it does fall over, it cuts out automatically. There are no blades, so it's super safe, and it can push lots of air at you. Um, but it's £300. I can't, I can't justify £300 on a fan. 
Although, I've, you know, I bought a vacuum cleaner the other day. But then you look at the, uh, another one here. This is um, the Honeywell Silver Oscillating Tower fan at 60 quid from Argos. Uh, or failing this, the Fellows MaxiCool Laptop Riser with a USB fan, £40.99. pence. So, I mean, I don't know. I think you should have fans at the back of fridges, because fridges in the summer don't work properly. They never keep everything cool. I've noticed that with the Prosecco. It just sort of, it chills it, but it's not absolutely ice cold. And I thought, if I bought a fan and I kept it going at the back of the fridge, would that make any difference? So I'm going to try that a little bit later on, I think, and see whether, see whether that works. But I have to get out of this, uh, this, uh, this heat. And today you're going to get it again, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Kate says the pass that you, gives you access to all the museums. There is no pass for access to all the museums. Each museum does an individual pass, so the British Museum do a pass, the V&A do a pass. I don't think you need one for the Science Museum. I think that's sort of, we just pay for those separately. But the V&A, you get free access to all of their uh, exhibitions, and you get 10% discount in their cafe, and there's a special members room, which has got a little cafe in it as well. We can sit down and read a book, if you so choose, which is off the glass department. Uh, at the British Museum... I think they've got a members room there. I, th- I can't remember, actually, if they've got one there. But the uh, the one which you can get into all the different places, like the Banqueting House, the Tower of London, Hampton Court and Kew Palace and Kensington Palace as well, is Historic Royal Palaces. That's the one. Uh, Nicholas says, Gemma Collins and Bobby Cole Norris want to host a chat show. Any chance? Not a cat in Hades chance, I'm afraid. I mean, put it away, she's as dim as a plank. She burst into tears the other day, but there again, she spends most of her life... I've always noticed that with, with Gemma, I'm so needy, Collins, and Bobby, I'm really needy, Collins. Um, not that they're, they're related. Bobby Cole Norris, I beg your pardon. I mean, that's Ming the Merciless, he's known as, I believe, on set, because of that peculiar face of his. It's, I mean, first of all, when I saw him, he looked a little bit like Gokwan. That was a gross insult to Gokwan. Now he doesn't look like Gokwan. He looks like Ming the Merciless. But I've noticed that Gemma, whenever sort of nobody's talking about her, she bursts into tears. You know, when she heard that uh, that Arge had uh, got back with Lydia, albeit uh, all too briefly for that uh, one-night fling, and then she went, no, it's just the baby, the baby's so beautiful. I thought, well, it's just a bit of a shame, really, because you have to remember that the people are real, but the stories are made up. So, in fact, she's probably even more miserable in real life, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uk and the subject of uh, Tulisa, I don't know what the documentary is called i'm sure that uh, they will tell me it's probably called talisa a year in the uh, a year in the life and that's what it is it's followed her for a year so just when the court case started the accusations they started filming great insight great insight to actually think of something like that in the in the first place very good indeed uh, howard carter buried in putney Yes, um, they had to go and clean it when they made a documentary about Tutankhamun. They had to go down to the cemetery and clean off the grave. Nobody's looking after the grave. He lived opposite the Royal Albert Hall. That's where he lived. Uh, Nicholas says, uh, another one here, uh, says, I've just put new batteries in the radio. Haven't done battery radios. How old-fashioned are you? Very old-fashioned. And uh, Martin says, use pegs to clip a wet tea towel over the front of your fan. Are you mad? What water and a fan and electricity? Take no notice of this idiot, ladies and gentlemen. The man is quite clearly a complete buffoon, I'm afraid. You don't put uh, anything with water over the front of any fan. God, honestly, small wonder people die nowadays. I'll tell you what, you do it. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens. How long is the heat going to last, says Rebecca? Uh, middle of August. Middle of August, they have said. That's what they've said. Whether or not it, uh, it goes like that, I don't know. 
paedophile dossier handed to the former Home Secretary Leon Britton named two high-ranking colleagues in Margaret Thatcher's cabinet. And, uh, I mean, a couple of the names are absolutely unbelievable here. I'll let you uh, read the uh, the paper. This, I mean, this was the, the dossier that they weren't sure whether it actually existed but now they're saying there are names in it. So obviously people have remembered some of the names here. And also this top public school, uh, St Paul's, in London, which is linked to a string of recent arrests. More on that in a moment. Uh, the time for you this Sunday morning is 7.30. <laughs> We're all very excited around here about being a plumber on 90,000 a year. Uh, it emanated uh, from Pimlico Plumbers, that one. Em- I think you've got to have qualifications. They're looking for qualified people. 90,000 a year. 90,000. Sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? Old James is very excited by this. He's thinking about, you know, all the, what sort of plumber he could be. And it's, it, yes. And I mean, it, and, and, and he'd carry his own tools and everything. He's, he, he's not above that. And he could turn Because I said you could be a nude plumber. You know, because you get nude waiters now. Have you seen these nude waiters or the naked waiters where they turn up and, and they'll serve drinks at your part? Oh, no, to be quite honest with you, you know, I mean, really, I think that's taking it a bit too far. A little bit too far. Uh, 84850. Somebody says your interview with Michelle Moan was excellent. She was very funny, actually. I liked her. I thought we got on really well. I thought we got on really, really well. <laughs> 84850. Steve, it's going to... Uh, sorry, Jim says, you, you don't know it's going to be a flop at the time you invest. This is this film investing. It's funny, though, that they all seem to have invested in flop films. No, you're right. I mean, I, I don't believe you actually go in to, uh, to anything saying, oh, I think it's going to flop. That's why I couldn't see the advantage of it. I didn't quite understand that. Um, if your fridge is not working well, you're probably close to the wall and not enough ventilation. Pull it forward an inch or so, says Mike. There you go. Seems seems like a fairly straightforward thing, doesn't it? Uh, check out the Fairfield Hall, says uh, Merlin's. Their beautiful new website, fairfield.co.uk. The ghost of the widow is haunting this week. Oh, lovely. We played that, I think we did twice or three times the Fairfield Halls. I can't remember now. I think we did three times at the Fairfield Hall. Big place. <gasps> big place, let me tell you. Big, big place. Whoever, whoever plays it. Uh, more on uh, poor old Lauren Goodger. Lauren Goodger. In the pipe. This time it's in the mirror. Reality TV star. She was never a star. She was just another one of those bimbos on there whose career disappeared faster than she did. Unfortunately, her sort of weight increased hugely. And uh, uh, this this latest man, um, Lauren is distraught. She can't speak for herself unless they're paying her money. So she's furious it's been sent to so many people. It was a private moment. Don't be so stupid, honestly. The one thing you've got to have is a bit of intelligence. If you're going to be on television, for goodness sake, be intelligent. You are not supposed to have a sex life. You're not supposed to get drunk. You're not supposed to do drugs. You're supposed to be not a pillar of society, but somebody that young people look up to. Nobody looks up to uh, to Lauren Goodyear. But there again, dear, you're probably thinking, oh, what a, what a great bit of publicity. I've now got my own sex tape where the rest of us are thinking, tacky old Lauren. But we thought tacky old Lauren before. Uh, 84850. Joyce says, get memory pillows. They're lovely. Feather is horrible. My hoover's just packed up. I might get a Henry. They're good. They're good. The Henrys are very good. And so simple. So simple. Um... Sue says, why do you keep calling her Michelle Moan? It's Michelle Moon. No, it's Moan, I'm afraid. I say, seeing as I spent an hour in her company, I think I know how to pronounce her name. It's Moan. OK. And uh, Nikki says, another hot day ahead. No air conditioning this time, only a little fan circulating the hot air. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, in the Brentwood Gazette, says Glenn, it mentions Gemma Collins is celebrating the first anniversary of her Brentwood boutique. 
wonder if she only sells clothing for the larger ladies of Essex. I don't know. I didn't even know she had a shop. She has a boutique, does she? Does she work in it? The Fahir's sisters don't seem to be anywhere near theirs at the moment, which is very strange. Uh, all wool pillows keep your head cool. I've got one, and it's very comfy. And a lot of people recommending all sorts of pillows. It's for, Water pillows are very good. I've never even heard of water pillows. I've heard of water beds. I've heard of water beds, not, uh, not water pillow. That's a very odd thing, isn't it? Strange one here. And um, I was thinking... You were talking more about keeping things in the boot of your car. Not sure if you're aware, but the heavier the items in the boot, the more fuel you consume, says Christine. Uh, yes, I know that. I mean, I'm, I'm well aware of the more stuff you have in the car, the uh, less... But to be honest with you, when you run a car like mine, the last thing you worry about is how much petrol you're consuming. I never worry about that. If, if I find I'm spending too much petrol, too much on petrol, which I don't, I just, I just don't go out as often. It's as simple as that. It's not like I'm running a minicab. Uh, Tim, car Shorten on the hill, which apparently is the posh bit... He says, I bought a G-Tech. This is this uh, little cleaner. It's fantastic. It works like a dream. You could pick it up with your little finger. Worth the money. Oh, well, I might take it out of the box then later on today. <laughs> I might do. You know what I've got this week? You know what I've got this week, don't you? I've got to record an in-conversation with... Um, I've forgotten her name now. Who's the... Who's the... Uh, James? Who's the fiery little Irish girl? Who's... Nothing compares. Nothing compares. Sinead O'Connor. I've got Sinead O'Connor to do on Tuesday. I'm dreading it. It's the only one I'm dreading doing the interview with. In case... Do you think she'll storm out? I think they're taking bets in the office as to whether or not she'll last ten minutes with me. She's got to do 25 minutes. I mean, I'm looking forward to the conversation. But, it's, but I've, I've watched a few back on the internet. They don't seem to have had a great time. My friend Eddie Mayer didn't have a very good time at all with her. And I was thinking, oh, lummy. Because I know what's going to happen. Because we're not a music station, this is where I foresee a problem. And she's got an album to talk about. She's going to say, are we going to play some tracks on the album? And I'm going to have to say no, because we're not a music station. So I'm kind of starting on a zero base. So I'm just going to have to say no, but we'll talk about all the tracks. And then people can, can download it and listen to it later. And that's where I think there might be the problem. <laughs> Honestly, I get sweaty palms. Thinking, I've, I've, I've woken up screaming in the middle of the night, you know, thinking this is going to be one of these interviews where she's going to stand up and walk out or hit me or something. I don't know why. I've just got this dreadful thought. I'm trying to think happy thoughts. I'm trying to think I'm going to like Sinead O'Connor. I know she's had, you know, funny times and things like that. And I've been told what I'm not allowed to talk about, if you please. But that generally doesn't work for me. But uh, I'm hoping it's going to be good. But I know what she's going to say. Should we play a track from the album? I'm going to say, no, don't have the facility to play tracks. Here we are in a business, in this building particularly, surrounded by music stations. Never mind, doesn't matter. If it all goes pear-shaped, I'll record it and let you know anyway. So it could be one of my big... Dis- I've never had anybody walk out. Not in... Not ever. Not ever in my life have I ever had anybody walk out. I've had somebody who, halfway through the interview... And how long is this interview? And I've said an hour. When it, when it used to be an hour. And they've said, an hour?! And, um, and I've sort of smiled. What else can you do? You know, you, but I, I haven't actually had any... I did know of a presenter once. I won't tell you who she is, because uh, she doesn't work here anymore. And she had a guest coming in, and she didn't know anything about guests. So she used to phone her father and ask her father about guests and say, what sort of question should I ask? Anyway, she had a guest come in once, and uh, th- this man sort of said, I think about five minutes into the interview, he said, have you read the book? And so she went, oh, no, 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 I haven't, I haven't read the book. She got up and walked out. <laughs> Which, of course, I laughed at the time, but then I, I've had that before. When people say, have you read the book? And I always say, I haven't read it completely. Because there's, you, you don't want to be too too armed with too much information. The whole idea is to get them to talk about it. I was watching a documentary on Betty Davis. 
And she was doing some interviews. And the first interview I saw was when she was filming over here. And then the next one was Michael Parkinson. And whichever way you look at it, it was Betty Davis. And then the last one she did was with Terry Wogan. And she'd had strokes by that time. And she was, she was very frail, very, very frail. But it was still Betty Davis. And a friend of mine phoned me yesterday and said, did you see the interviews with Betty Davis? And I said, absolutely. I said, a legend, an absolute legend. I said, it's funny because I was watching a documentary on Liberace only two days ago. And I said, you know, Liberace was hounded by, by the press because he was gay. He was hounded by the press. Cassandra, in this country, wrote this, uh, this piece where he described him as this fruit-flavoured, mincing peep of mother love and all the rest. And Liberace sued in the High Court in this country. Unfortunately, he lied. Because the, uh, the, they, they were basically saying, you're gay. And Liberace said, no, he wasn't. Not of course he was. But he, he lied about it in court and said, no, I do have friends who might be homosexual, but uh, I am not one of those. And he wrote an autobiography where he talked about all the women that he'd bedded. Well, of course, as somebody wrote afterwards, substitute women for men, and you might get a better indication. But they hounded him in America. He was hounded in America because he was gay and because he died of an AIDS-related illness. And his manager, Seymour Heller, was denying it even after death. But all I, when I watched this documentary, all that came over to me was a nice gentleman who just wanted to play the piano and have a bit of fun. In life, it wasn't, wasn't too much to ask, was it, really? Well, I don't think it was too much to ask. Bless his heart. But then you look at all these, um, these big celebrities and these, uh, and these, uh, these careers, these fantastic careers that they had in Hollywood. We never had anything like that. Never had anything. Still trying to wait to find out from Jonathan Levi what the documentary is called. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably just called Tulisa. I'm only, I'm only guessing on that one. <laughs> it might not be. Uh, the interesting thing is that Nick Clegg has come out and joined calls for Russia to face the axe as hosts of the 2018 World Cup. And I'm sure that Stig and Petri this morning are going to be looking at that story, because it just doesn't seem right that as the European Union has expanded its blacklist of Russians subject to sanction and broad economic measures. So now, I think, after the shooting down of this Malaysian Airlines flight MH17, they have to, uh, they have to face the axe. Well, I'm hoping so, anyway. I'm hoping so. We'll wait and see what they come up with. Also, more on the, uh, the bodies of the MH uh, Flight 17. The victims are uh, uh, flown home. The Tour de France ends in Paris today. Isn't it amazing how we've actually got so excited about, um, about the Tour de France and about cycling full stop? I keep meaning to buy a bicycle, and then, sadly, at the last minute, my little legs give up. More than half of Charing Cross hospitals should be, uh, could be sold off if plans to overhaul the health service in north-west London are approved. The Charing Cross Hospital, incidentally, is not at Charing Cross. It's in Hammersmith. So I didn't know that was northwest London. I suppose it must be. But uh, that one is there. That's the one where um, Diana Dawes died. That hospital there, 13th floor, is the private ward. And, uh, and very good it is, too. Uh, another one here. Uh, Programme uh, B2, 9pm tonight, about the Red Arrows. Scoffing rumours of them being axed. Yes, yes. I mean, I don't know whether or not... I mean, I don't think they should. I don't think they should. I think we have to hang on to things like that. And here's uh, just a poetic day. The Star's Perfect Day poems. And who have they got? They've got Nick Ferrari. Oh, he's right behind Eamon Holmes. Rochelle Humes. Uh, Jeff Brazier. Not exactly the most A-list people I've seen. Mark Austin. Uh, Frank Bruno. Sarah Hewson. I don't know who Sarah Hewson is. I'm afraid. Vernon Kay. Kate Garraway, John Humphreys, who's that? 
Ruth Langsford, Jeremy Vine, Terry Butcher, Eamon Holmes twice for some reason. I don't know why. Perhaps we're a little bit desperate to put Eamon Holmes in. He's the one who's going to turn up, isn't he? An Anton Dex Saturday night takeaway thing. They've got a real A-list of, um, of celebrities turning up for this tour. As I said, you can probably get your money back based on the fact that they're not really celebrities. They're just irritants who turn up because they've got Vernon Kay and uh, Eamon Holmes and uh, that, ultimate, that ultimate celebrity that you all crave to see. Peter Andre, I'm afraid. I'll be queuing at that box office getting my money back very quickly. Quarter to eight. EC. Morning, everybody. Nine minutes to eight o'clock. I think it's going to be another scorcher today. Another scorcher. So don't, uh, don't forget, if you're going out in the car and you're going off down to the beach, off to the seaside, pack some water in the car. Perhaps some sweeties as well or something like that. Uh, the Sunday Mirror has tracked down one of Britain's most wanted women serving shots in a bar in Mallorca. Here she is. She's in Magaluf. This is Samantha McGreary, accused of stabbing a man in the head. Uh, police have been searching for her for four years. Mirror managed to find her very easy. And, uh, anyway, they've, uh, passed on their details to Merseyside Police. So we get her back very quickly to spend time in prison. She's quite clearly a nasty little piece of uh, work. She now goes by the name of Sammy Mack. And, um, after viewing CCTV of the incident, she was charged with assault. She failed to respond to bail and then she skipped away. But, uh, they found her. So no doubt she'll be skipping back again. Karen Malone talks about the marriage of Cheryl Cole, way A, because I'm worth it. She says, uh, let's face it, in two months she's had more publicity than she's had in two years. Who'd have thought a three-month romance with an unknown French playboy, give it a few months, would have catapulted dear old Cheryl right back into the limelight, just as she's launching a new perfume, a new album, and is about to make a triumphant return to the X Factor. I mean, so it couldn't have happened better. So the advice is, if you want to become a celebrity... Uh, and you want to talk about, you know, babies and getting married on a Caribbean hideaway, try and find some old has-been and get married to them. And that way it's worked. But as I say, watch it all come collapsing down. It always does. It never never goes this, you know, she's married way out of her class, way out of her class. And that's why everybody is now now saying, you know, it's less than a year. I think think even Christo was only giving it a matter of months. I was a bit more generous. I said a year. There's a desperate dad driven to the brink of suicide by evil loan sharks today reveals the depths of his nightmare. Nightmare. How much did he borrow? 20 quid. How desperate do you have to be to borrow 20 quid? It was a one-off loan. I mean, to be honest with you, I've never heard of anybody borrowing 20 quid. They normally say no, £100. What's it become? £7,000. And the illegal sharks drove him to the brink of, uh, of suicide. He's had loads of, uh, loads of phone calls, loads of threatening texts and stuff like that. People banging on his door in the middle of the night. I mean, I don't know how desperate you'd have to be to get £20, unless there's something desperately gone wrong in your life. But uh, there is an illegal money lending team, which is run by the Mirror. They've got details in their, uh, in their paper today. You know, men, you know, you don't want to mess with these uh, people. So a £20 loan, £7,000 it's now escalated to. I do like Kevin O'Sullivan. I like him uh, talking about all sorts of things. He's talking about the Speakmans. I mean, I think everybody's roundly condemned them as just being, just being naff on television. Uh, he talks about Big Brother. talks about Geordie Shaw. And uh, the autopsy, the last hours of Michael Hutchins, as if anybody really cares, to be honest with you. I certainly don't. And uh, uh, is a, a blind date a date on which it's best to be blind? Fall guy Gino was cursed with the gift of sight when he turned up on Towie to find giant Gemma Collins waiting for him. I haven't been swept off my feet for ten years, she revealed. No comment. <laughs> Love Kevin O'Sullivan. I like him and Ian Highland. I think they're very, very funny. Front page of the, uh, of the Mail today. 
They talk about the uh, the Strictly Bash for Cherie, uh, also uh, Defence Minister, branded women author, woman author a slut. And uh, here we go. British model, divorcing director who cheated with Kirsten Stewart, gets three of their four homes, £23,000 every month, a slice of his film profit, and even half of his credit card rewards. I got credit card rewards as well. On my uh, Rob Bank of Scotland, I get the... I don't know what they are. You get points or something. I've got 40,000 of them. I don't quite know what to do with them, so I'll just leave them there till they mount up to something so I can sort of buy a house. Uh, here we go. This is uh, charted in the pages of Junkie Pete Doherty's new journals. Her descent, this is Peaches Geldof, into heroin use, a portentous promise in this macabre signature with a, a very bloody needle, which is not so good. And uh, also, uh, to millions of TV viewers, Lee Jones. Lee Jones was the smooth star of a documentary about Champneys, the manager of the resort in Hertfordshire, whose clients include Barbara Streisand, pandered to his guests every whim. But last weekend, after a tip-off from a viewer, the venue in Tring found itself at the centre of a fraud investigation as around ten grand from petty cash has gone missing, and so's Mr Jones. The slick 40-year-old, who drives a £60,000 Range Rover, uh, took over as general manager, incredibly charismatic, and now he's disappeared, which is all a bit bizarre. I'm sure the, uh, the papers will enjoy following that one up. And uh, sacked for bullying. The BBC boss who left radio star wife for Victoria Derbyshire. A senior BBC editor and partner of Victoria Derbyshire has been sacked following claims of bullying and sexual harassment. Mark Sandell, editor of uh, World Have Your Say, became the first executive to be dismissed in the wake of damaging bullying, a- bullying allegations. Good grief. It's unbelievable. That's not the first time I've read of these sort of things. There's quite a lot of uh, bullying that goes on there. One person was moved from one particular department of news to the World Service after allegations of bullying came out. And as Gaza burns, Middle East envoy Blair gets Strictly's Christina and Bobby Davro to celebrate Sherry's 60th birthday. Oh, dear. No, really. No, seriously, it is true, I'm afraid. And look who wasn't at the Big Bash. Murdoch. Brown, Deng, Brooks. Interesting, is it? Tony Blair threw, uh, threw a big party. And so she, they, they danced and they had Bobby Davro doing, doing comedy. Nice, isn't it, really? And how to fly 200 migrants back to Eastern Europe. 80,000 quid it's cost you. £80,000. Kate Bush is under pressure to expunge paedophile Rolf Harris from her albums. Fans of the Wuthering Heights singer wanted to remove the sex offender's contributions to three songs from any re-releases. That's interesting. They've just tried to take down a photo, a, a big uh, picture done by Rolf Harris, but it's too big. They can't, they can't remove it, so they've just covered it up with a huge sheet nowadays. So it's, uh, it's all there. I'm still waiting for the Kate Bush concerts. We can't be that far away from them. And what is she going to do? What is she going to do for her concerts? Should be interesting. Oh, and uh, Petra Eccleston has put her Hollywood mansion up for sale. I should imagine, because it's way too big and she rattles around in it. Uh, it's the old Aaron Spelling uh, mansion. It's absolutely enormous. I think she paid uh, 50 million and it's up for sale for 88 million. It's got everything. It's got an ice rink, a bowling alley, three rooms devoted solely to present wrapping. As it, although who she'd be sending them to, I've got no idea. Uh, a gym, four garages, Olympic-sized pool, 14 bedrooms and a nightclub in the basement. And also it's got uh, a beauty salon. And it's lovely, but I mean, to be honest with you, for one person it's ridiculous. Quite ridiculous. So uh, she's quite rightly decided to uh, to get rid of it. 
88 million. It's a good little profit, isn't it? Good little profit. Very nice indeed. So I hope she manages to uh, to sell it. And who's this? Magaluf, Michelle Keegan, revived by the magic of uh, of Mallorca. Oh dear, not a free holiday. Anyway, bless her heart. Thank you for your uh, company this morning, incidentally. The podcast will be available for you to download very, very shortly. I'm going to be back on Monday morning, tomorrow morning at 4am. Don't forget, In Conversation is repeated this evening at 9 o'clock, just after Clive Bull and just before Duncan Barks. So have yourself a great day. If you're taking the dogs out for a walk, do it early this morning. If you're going off to the seaside, remember to take lots of bottled water and something to eat. And if you take medication, remember to take your medication. Have a lovely, lovely time and uh, enjoy. I can't wait for the rain. Here I am, prophet of doom, Alan. Let's bring the rain back in as quick as possible. Anything just to sort of, you know, take away the heat and to uh, fill up all the old water butts and to make sure the garden just looks a little bit green. You can download this programme. Go to the LBC website. It'll give you all the details. lbc.co.uk. Later on, Larry Lamb will be in from 11. But right now, Stig and Petri take you through Sunday breakfast.